You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Hey, well, we are going to move into, I believe this is probably week four of our series on the Lord's Prayer. And if this is one of your first times with us, um, something we wanted to do as a church was to really dive in deep um, into the Lord's Prayer, kind of line by line, and really study what the words of Jesus truly mean um, to us. And so we've kind of been in this series the last few weeks, and um, I think it's easy to think about the Lord's Prayer almost as if, like, it's easy to just recite it off the tip of your tongue and not put much thought into it, almost like going into autopilot mode when you recite the Lord's Prayer. Um, I grew up in a church where I was taught at a very young age the Lord's Prayer. And so it's easy to just kind of recite it and not to put much thought or effort into what these words truly mean. And so we want to dig into them a little bit deeper um, tonight. And so we find ourselves at this section of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So being honest with you, Dave, uh, Dave and I met, and we're talking about this message series, and he informed me he was going to be gone, and he asked, hey, would you be interested in teaching on the Lord's Prayer? I said, that would be awesome. I would love to do that. And then he said, hey, I'm going to have you preach on this phrase, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thought, are you kidding me, Dave? I said, uh, you're going to stretch me a little bit. And I felt this way uh, because of this word right between your and be. Will. God's will. What is God's will? How does it show up in our life? And I think oftentimes, as Christians, we feel this pressure to answer this question for other people. Like, this is what God's will is for your life. This is what you should do. This is what he's calling you towards. I do think it's great to get feedback and discernment from other people. But oftentimes, I have heard um, some people use this term, God's will, at some really interesting moments in life, Um, some really maybe inappropriate moments in life, some moments that just honestly provide us with more unclarity than clarity. And so I'm going to give you some examples at just some weird times I've heard this phrase used. So my grandma, uh, bless her heart, she is an amazing woman. So growing up, um, I'd oftentimes see my grandma, I'd give her a hug goodbye, and she would always say this phrase at the end when I'd say, we'll see you next week, Grandma, or see you at church, see you at the family gathering. And she said, yes, it's so good to see you. I'll see you next week, Lord willing. And I thought, as a six-year-old kid, I would lay in my bed at night thinking, like, is it God's will that my grandma's not here next week? I'm like, what is going on? Uh, so kind of a, a weird moment. Uh, another one that I've seen is in breakups. And if this is you, hey, no judgment at all, no judgment at all. But oftentimes I've heard when a a girlfriend and a boyfriend are maybe calling it quits in the relationship, sometimes the God card gets pulled and it says, hey, I just don't think it's God's will for us to be together anymore. I'm like, really? Can we just get honest with ourselves? Is it really God's will? Um, Transition out of jobs, I've heard people use that phrase, it's just not God's will for me to be here anymore. And I'm like, really? Really? Is it really God's will for you not to be here? 
Or can you just, maybe you just don't get along with your coworkers very well. Um, one I've also heard as well is in the area of suffering maybe, where oftentimes we say, hey, it's God's will, just push through it, you're going to do fine, God's doing something in you, and while that may be true, I think it, like as Christians, we lack empathy, lack empathy when we respond to suffering this way. And so tonight, guys, my hope is not to just stand up here and tell you this is what God's will is for your life. Because to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I'm not that qualified to tell you this is what God's will is for your life. But my heart is I want to um, provide hopefully a little bit more clarity for you into the heart of God when it comes to this big term, the will of God. Um, and so I'm going to invite uh, Taylor Burke up, he- Taylor Burkett up here really quick. Can we give it up for Taylor? I need help with a quick illustration. I texted him earlier. I know he's a little bit nervous. I told him that I'm not going to embarrass him too much. Got voluntold. I love it. Okay, so Taylor, this is what I need you to do. So before service, I put an envelope, I hid an envelope, out in the sanctuary here, in this room somewhere. Okay, and inside of it is a gift card. So I would like for you to just go and find it, okay? Ready, set, go. Is that it? Is there anything in there? Would you? Nothing in there. Okay, well, keep looking, Taylor. You're okay. Keep looking, Taylor. You're doing great, man. Go find me the envelope with a gift card in it. (laughs) Is there nothing in there either? Hey, you're doing good. Okay, Taylor, I'll give you a hint, all right? I'll give you a hint. It is not on this side of the sanctuary. It is potentially somewhere on this side of the sanctuary. (laughs) Oh, it has something in it this time. Okay, perfect. You found it. Nice work. That wasn't too bad. Hey, you can keep it. That's yours. Yes. Hey, thank you so much. Give it up for Taylor. So, I know this is a very silly illustration, but I think oftentimes this is the way we potentially view God's will. That somewhere out there in the world, God has this this one thing for us, and it's kind of hidden. And we might go through life and we think, oh, this has got to be God's will. Or maybe this has got to be God's will. And almost to the, to the uh, almost like the idea where God is up there, like mischievously going, oh, you're getting closer, Taylor. You're getting so close. Not that one. Maybe it's over here. You know, just like mischievously giving us hints. And at some point, you're just going to find God's will. Well, I think oftentimes when we think of God's will this way, um, I think it really provides a whole lot of confusion. It stirs within us some anxiety. It uh, helps us be more me-focused than God-focused, and I think it teaches us to tighten the reins of our life than loosen them because we think, well, then i got to find it. It's out there somewhere. And uh, I Googled really quickly uh, yesterday just God's will. This was the first picture that came up. Clear as mud, Right? God's will, how to find it and how to know it, and there's arrows all over the floor. Which way do I go? Where do I go? God, where are you leading me? And so I want to challenge our perspective tonight, and I just want to say, what if the will of God is not in any of that stuff? Like, what if the will of God isn't one job over the other, one college over the other, 
maybe a specific place that you have to live, a certain amount of money that you have to have, or like this example, a hidden envelope out there in the world and you just got to find it. Pray that someday you stumble across it. And so I want to offer a couple suggestions, some other suggestions maybe of what potentially the heart of God is when it comes to this term. And, and I think the first of those is this, I believe the heart of God is more concerned about us going on a journey with him than he, than he is about us getting to a specific destination. To put it real simple, journey over destination. Journey over destination. Can I give you an example? Um, the life of Moses. Can we consider the life of Moses? If you're, if you're new to church, Moses was a significant man in the Old Testament that God used in a, in a very significant way. And so God called Moses. He had, uh, God had his chosen people in slavery in Egypt. And he raised up Moses and he said, I want you to go to Egypt and advocate on my behalf to, for the Pharaoh to release my people from slavery. And I want you to lead them to the promised land. Like Moses' entire life was centered around this plot, getting God's people from point A to point B. Getting the people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But how did he do? How did Moses do? Well, he got God's people out of Egypt. He added some detours in there, wandered in the wilderness for about 40 years, and he never stepped foot into the promised land. He never did. He was not the one to lead the Israelites into the promised land. He spent his whole life trying to get to a destination that he never got to step foot into. And I think it's easy for us as readers or even in the eyes of the world to think about this story and go, Moses failed. He did not accomplish God's will for his life. He didn't make it. He didn't get to step into the promised land. But I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here, but did Moses really fail? Like, did Moses fail? I think about... Like, yes, he didn't get to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, but what I think about is the 40 years that he spent wandering in the wilderness with God. I think about the times that Moses desperately had to cry out to God on behalf of the people of Israel. I think about the faith test that God took Moses through as he's standing on the edge of the Red Sea going, how are we going to cross? Or the people of Israel are crying out because they're hungry and there's, where, where, where's the food going to come from? Or we're thirsty. Where, where are we going to get water? We're in the wilderness. All these faith tests that God took Moses through. The way that God empowered Moses to lead the people of Israel in the midst of doubt, fear. And then we get to the end of Moses' life and he ends up dying, of course, and then Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament gives us this, what we call the, the hall of faith. And there is Moses' name in the hall of faith. Yet he did not reach the destination. And so my question for you is, what if the heart of God has never been about you getting to a destination in life? Instead, what, about, what if the heart of God has always been about the journey with you? Like, what if it's never been about choosing the right college, but about the journey that you get to go on with Jesus in college? What about, it, what if it's never been about choosing the right job, 
And it's always been about the journey you get to go on with Jesus in and through your job. What if it's never been about getting to the right place, having the right amount of money, the perfect family? What if it's never been about all that stuff and it's been about the beautiful journey that you get to go on with Jesus as you navigate all that stuff in life? To me, it kind of sounds a lot like what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. He says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I think it's really easy uh, to read scripture and interpret it in a way that we want it to sound. I think it's easy to read this and say, oh, he, you know, if I follow him, he's going to lead me to that one thing. It doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to take you to the one job I have for you. It doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to take you to the right college. It doesn't say, follow me, and I'm going to take you and make sure you get to the promised land. He just simply says, follow me, an invitation. And I think on this journey, if we respond to it and say, I will follow you, Jesus, I think on this journey, Jesus might take us to different places. I think he, we might find ourselves maybe in different schools. I think he might have us stop at a couple different jobs along the way. I think he might ask us to love some pretty difficult people that we don't really want to love. I think God might ask us to shut our mouth when we really want to speak. I think God might ask us to exercise some faith when we're full of fear and doubt in our life. I have found that starting to think through God's will through this lens has actually provided a whole lot of freedom and peace and allowed me to be more present with Jesus rather than so worried about trying to get to the destination. I got to get there. I got to get to that one thing. And so my question that I want to ask you is, are you willing to accept the invitation to go on a journey with Jesus and simply follow him when he doesn't necessarily tell you where you're going to end up? Are you willing to accept the invitation of simply follow me? Follow me. Let's go on a journey together. The cool thing is, is I think the longer that we journey through life with Jesus, the more we begin to realize the second thing, that God's heart is not for us to write the details of our own story. His heart is to invite us into his story that he has been writing for a very long time. I put it simple like this. His story is greater than our story. His story is greater than our story. What, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying your story doesn't matter, because it does. It matters to God a whole lot. But what I am saying is that there is a story much bigger than the story of our lives that God has been writing long before us that he is inviting you and I into. And that story is called the story of resurrection. That's what it is. It's, it's a story of resurrection. This is hard for us to understand, I think, as humans, because we love being in control. We love being in control of our own story. We love having the spotlight. We almost want to be the author of our own story, filling in the details with a pen of our own. When God invites us to go on a journey with him, he's not handing us a book full of blank pages saying, here you go, here's a pen, go ahead, write your story, you're the author, 
do whatever you want to do. No, I think when God invites us into his story, he's handing us a book that's already been written. And he says, hey, would you consider joining me in the story of resurrection? On the front of the book is big letters that say resurrection. Jesus is saying, when you choose to follow me and you make it personal, I believe resurrection moves from a story that you and I read about to something that now God wants to do in you and then eventually through you. It's a story. It moves from just simply being a story we read about to simply Jesus saying, hey, would you consider being a part of this now? The resurrection that I've done, I want to do in you. And eventually I want to do it through you into this world. It sounds a lot like Romans Chapter 8, verse 11, this is Paul talking, and he says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is probably one of my more favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible because it really puts into perspective that The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, if you are a follower of Jesus, you and I have access to that same exact spirit. And if the spirit brought Jesus back to life, that spirit is also interested in bringing you and I back to life. And now then your own personal story of resurrection becomes interwoven into the grand story of resurrection that God has been writing before you and I were even a thought. Before you and I even existed, think about that. Like, before we were even a thought, before we were even born into this world, God had you in mind to be a part of his story of resurrection. That's the second suggestion. And the third thing that I want to suggest tonight is this. I think the heart of God is more concerned about our spiritual formation than he is about us being in a specific location. Put it, put it simple like this. Formation is greater than location. Formation is greater than location. Um, just to tell you a little bit more of my story, um, I know some of you maybe know some of the journeys that I've been on. Uh, my wife and I, we moved to Minnesota back in about 2022, um, April of 2022, and we really felt a call um, to go and help with a church plant that was happening in St. Michael, Minnesota. And so in my mind, I'm like, this is the thing. This has got to be it. This is the thing. So my wife and I, we prayed about it for a while, and we thought, hey, we had a lot of peace, and it seemed like the doors were opening, and so we said, hey, we're going to do this. And so we moved to Minnesota. I moved, we moved up there with the idea in my mind that I'm going to be a pastor of a church plant. That's what we were dreaming. And I remember when I, when I started on staff at this, at this church plant, I was like, man, this, like, this is the one thing that I've been waiting for. And about after five short months, I began to realize that it wasn't a super great fit for me and Anne. And eventually came to the point when I said, I think I, I think I need to resign. I just don't think this is a good fit. And so then for the next probably nine months before we moved back to Sioux Falls, uh, my, my beautiful wife, Anna, her father, has his own painting company. He's a painting business that he's been running for a long time. And so I I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking about resigning. Would you have a place for me to help you paint? 
And he said, oh, absolutely. And so in my eyes, I'm moving to Minnesota to be a pastor, but I end up actually being a painter. Isn't that funny how God's plan works sometimes? And so I remember in this, in this nine-month period where um, I was painting instead of pastoring, uh, it was a really difficult season for me. I, th- I wrestled with a lot of stuff, if I can be honest with you. Like, I was very lonely. This is probably one of my uh, first seasons in my life where I just re- felt extremely lonely because we moved away from a lot of our family and our friends and didn't have a lot of connections up in Minnesota. And so I felt very lonely. Uh, was very confused at the plan and, and where the Lord had me because, again, Jaden's plan, got to go be a pastor. God's like, hey, why don't you just set up shop and be a painter for a while? So I was confused, and, and eventually my, my confusion and doubts turned to anger where I was blaming God for a lot of stuff and really just wrestled. But the thing is, is God allowed me to wrestle. I wish I could stand up here and say, and then I prayed and cried and God fixed it all, but he didn't. I still had questions. I still had anger. I still had confusion. God allowed me to wrestle with a lot of things. And as I'm standing now and reflecting back on that, I began to realize that God, that there was purpose in that wrestling. Like God was doing something and forming something inside of me. Here's some things that as I reflected back on that, on that season for us in Minnesota, here's some things that I learned. God taught me the daily need for dependence on him. So I'm like, I'm here, here I am being a painter. Like, okay, Lord, like daily dependence on you. He taught me the beautiful gift of friendship when I was very lonely and God brought a couple really significant friendships into my life up in Minnesota. Taught me the beautiful gift of friendship. He showed me uh, the beauty behind not really knowing all the details and saying, hey, that's God. it's okay, Jane. It's okay if you don't know all the details. Just trust me. He gave uh, Ann and I space to, to pour into our marriage as we were newlyweds at the time. And he started to give me a clearer picture of what he was calling me to do in ministry. So God was using all of my pain and my anger and my questions and my wrestling to continually carry out the formational process that he wants to do within each one of you as he did for me. So how does this apply to our conversation around God's will? Sometimes I think it's easy for us when we get in seasons that are extremely difficult and really hard I think it's easy for us to respond and want to jump ship and say, this is too, this is too hard. I got to abandon the journey maybe even. This is too difficult. We think that we need to abandon ship because we start feeling the intensity of the heat that's around us. So we think maybe we got to get a new job. Maybe we got to get a new spouse even or a new house or, or go to a new location. Maybe I got to get out of here because I'm experiencing so much pain. It must mean I'm in the wrong location but can I argue that maybe God is, is forming something in you? Think about your life for a second. What areas in, in your life right now are you wrestling with God? Like, be honest with yourself. Where are you wrestling with God? Like, wrestling with God is, I think, a part of our journey with him. Where are you experiencing hardship and turmoil? Or maybe more clearly, where are you tempted to abandon ship because the formation is really intense in your life right now? It's in these moments, I want to argue, where God might be trying to do some deep formational work inside of you. I call these moments Garden of Gethsemane moments. 
If that's a foreign term to you, we, we get this picture towards the end of Jesus' life where he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's about to be betrayed by his disciples or by Judas. His disciples are about to run away from him because they're so afraid of their life. He's about to be arrested, put on trial, crucified, put to death. And we find Jesus in a Garden of Gethsemane moment where Jesus is on his knees praying to his father and crying out to him. And he's saying, hey, if there's any other way, Father, please let this cup pass over me. He was wrestling. He was struggling with the path before him. And I think it's important to point that out because I think there's something so comforting about the fact that we have a Savior who also wrestled with the journey and the path that God had him on. Have you ever had a moment like this, a Garden of Gethsemane moment? Or maybe you're even in one right now. My prayer is that we would learn to respond to these moments like Jesus did. Jesus gets to the place where he's finally saying, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. My prayer is that we would, would become Christians and mature followers of Jesus when we get into hard seasons of life. We're not quick to abandon, but yet our response is, I know it's not fair and it's really intense, but not my will, your will be done, Father. My encouragement is, is if you find yourself in that place, hold on. Lean in. Don't abandon ship because God is up to something big in your story. He is forming you. He's growing something maybe that needs to be grown within you. He might be cutting something back that needs to be cut back. God is up to something in your story, and he might be using some hardships, some pain, some situations that you find yourself in that you want to leave and run away from. And so closing up, I think when we pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think that whole line can be summed up with this simple word, surrender. I really think this is a, a line or a prayer of surrender. Like when we pray this prayer, we are really telling God, hey God, I want to go on a journey with you. Take me on a journey, even if it means me not knowing where the destination is, even if I don't ever get to the destination that I want to get to, I surrender control and I want to go on a journey with you. We're really telling God, I want my story to be interwoven into your grand story of resurrection. Like, use my story. I surrender control. I think we are, are telling God, deeply form me into your image when we pray this. Deeply form me into more of who you are, Jesus. Form me into your likeness, no matter how hard and painful it is. And so when we step back and we think about the Lord's Prayer like this, it's kind of a, a, maybe a dangerous thing to pray because you're praying for formation to happen in your life. And that means he might take you to some places and put you into hard seasons around some difficult people that you really want to get out of. But don't give up. Lean in and surrender. Let your will be done, Father, not ours. And so usually at the end of our message, we always have a, uh, the band come up and do a con conclusion or concluding song, I'll say. Um, but I want to do something a little bit different. We are going to play a song, but it's not going to be from the band. Um, it's going to be a song, a, a song that I heard actually in this season when I was in Minnesota. This was a song that was so crucial for me, kind of something that I just clung to when everything around me was confusing and painful and hard. This is a song by a guy called Brandon Lake. 
um, and it's so beautifully written from the perspective of the father speaking to his children. And it's called, Don't You Give Up On Me. And so I'm going to play that and allow this to be an opportunity for you to just simply reflect and respond and, and, and evaluate where you're at with Jesus. And so if you want to sing and sing with the lyrics on the screen, feel free to do that. If you want to just meditate and read the words or just get into a posture of worship that is comfortable for you. But I want to read you the chorus line and the bridge before I play this because this is, this is really a well-written song, I think. And it goes like this. It says, don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me. Because when the night's at its darkest, that's when the light will hit the hardest. Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me. Because you have not seen what I've promised. Child, we are just getting started. Open your hands. Open your, hand, or your heart and open your eyelids, eyelids. I've got more dreams. I've got more plans and I've got more blessings. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your hope. That's where your fight is. I've got more dreams. I've got more plans and I've got more blessings. I see you, child, though you can't see me And I know your thoughts before you even think I heard every last prayer you pray Though I answered all the time You just didn't hear my cry And I know it's not easy oh, Don't you give up on don't you give up on me Cause the darker the night gets The brighter the light hits Don't you give up on me Don't you give up on me You ain't seen what I promised Child, we're just getting started I'll be your way There's no way out And I'll be your strength When your strength runs out And if you walk into the fire I'll be right there in the flames I wouldn't have it any other way It's loving you I got more plans, I got more blessings. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.